Hello, my name is Natasha Lewis and I'm one of your co-hosts for A Woman's Word. Hi, I'm Danielle Lewis-Igonyu and I'm your co-host as well. And today we've picked a random topic out of our list and the question we want to ask is, are we as a society still racist? Ooh, uh, missus. <laughs> now we wrote these different topics quite a while ago now, so it's actually quite poignant that that has come out of the box, seen as what's been happening recently in the media, around the world. Um, so I think we've got a lot to talk about today. So we first of all wanted to kick off with the question, are we as a society still racist? What is your answer? Yes. <laughs> why, do you, why do you say yes? In blunt. So for those of you who do not know, I, Natasha, I'm, bi- I'm biracial, mixed race, um, dual heritage, however you want to call it. Been called many things over the years. Um, so I have um, a white parent and a black parent. And I think I've experienced racism so much over my lifetime. Um, it just becomes the norm it just becomes you can't people ask for examples and there's just so many there's so many and actually I think recently there's been this whole Black Lives Matter movement which has sparked from um, a a corrupt policeman I think is the right term um, a corrupt white policeman who knelt on the neck of a black man George Floyd and he died whilst saying I can't breathe and asking them to get off and people just watched as he died in the street basically um so that has created a mass if you like a mass reaction yeah globally the focus on it hasn't it really yeah and I think unless you've ever really experienced racism you will think that it doesn't happen, it doesn't involve you, you're not part of it, and you don't see it. And actually, it still happens today. Like, I'm a nurse, I, I remember I was working in A&E, and one of the patients refused to talk to me because I wasn't white. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and then, like, the white sister that was there at the time, she's like, oh, don't worry about him, I'll deal with him. And I was like, oh, this is horrendous. And just brushed it under the carpet, really, without addressing the situation. Yeah, and it's like one of my colleagues, she had monkey noises made at her by another That's nurse. Terrible. By another nurse? By another nurse, a senior nurse. Oh, God. And it was just horrendous, you know, when you're just like, is this really happening? And I think that's what it is. Sometimes you you take a second take, even though you're used to it, because you're thinking, that can't really be that. I must have misheard it or misunderstood that situation. But actually, if you're asking that question, you didn't. It really did happen. And I think one of the difficult things that keeps coming up, the terminology, not that it's a difficult thing, we know that it exists, is in- institutionalised racism and what that actually means. And there's a great TED Talk um, by a man called Babatunde. I was watching it yesterday. It's on Amazon Prime. I think Amazon Prime have opened up all of their resources so there's black literature, there's TED Talks that they're promoting, which is really useful. So if you go on to Prime, your things will just come up on your feed that you might not necessarily come across. But he gave a really good description, we can probably put the link on attached to this, of what institutionalised racism is. And it's the fact that the, um, the idea of racism has been built into all of our systems. So everything around us is built upon the, the fact that we should suppress um, black people. 
and he was looking at the media and the way it portrays incidents that happen and when it says a black person um, stabbed somebody else or they don't necessarily have to put all that information in there but even what we see on our feeds on instagram or in the news constantly perpetuates that institutionalized focus on making black people seem as something other or something bad or something mm -hmm. else and that's why in nursing in education in the police system that it's all created to to put down ethnic minorities and i think that's difficult for a lot of white people to understand unless they take the time to investigate it. Mm -hmm. So when we say black lives matter, and you have the whole thing of, but all, all lives matter, <laughs> it's because people really haven't got to grasp with the fact that, yes, we do know all lives matter, but for a far too long, black lives haven't mattered because the whole system has been geared up to keep us suppressed or to victimise us. And we're not saying that none of us do bad things. Like not, We're not saying all white people do good things all the time. But the system has been built up to um, suppress a certain fact, a section of community, and that's not right. So perpetuating stereotypes yes. is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think this whole George Floyd thing has brought a lot to the forefront of attention. But also, even the way that was reported, so it should be corrupt cop kills man. Mm. not corrupt white cop kills black man yeah. and then people were questioning oh why was he on the floor what did he do well no one should be killed just from doing anything unless they've got a gun and they're killing other people mm -hmm. and i think it's really interesting because if you the newspapers play a big part in this so if if you look in the newspapers you'll see young black thug killed yeah. innocent person whereas you'll see um, like a white person of the same age and it'll be vulnerable oh, boy vulnerable <laughs> boy kills school of 25 he had mental health yeah. problems and issues and demons well we've all got our demons mm. but because he's white he's vulnerable whereas if he was black and he killed one person he'd be a thug yeah. so it is it is how people perpetuate those stereotypes mm. have you ever experienced um institutionalized racism yes all the time so i grew up in camden mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that camden police are like this now but it was very much when i was growing up it was an expectation that would be bundled up put in the back of police cars beaten up just picked up for no reason um and that was before we had trident and stop and search which we have now which again is a form of institutionalized ra um, racism because trident has been set up to focus on the black community in London, whereas you don't have that that same focus on paedophiles, you don't have that same focus on robber robberies, or it's been specifically part of the institutionalised racism to focus on black boys specifically in London. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, grown from my experiences in Camden, as well as um, just kind of our just daily interaction and the fact that wherever we go, there's an expectation we put down our ethnicity on forms and mm -hmm. why should that factor into my medical care if I'm just coming like anybody else? Yes, um, a doctor will take my history of my family, but do they need to know on the form or when I sign up for things what my ethnicity is? Um, I would disagree with that only because yeah. I'm a medical professional. <laughs> so I would say healthcare, yes, ethnicity does become important because we know that certain genders certain ethnicities are more susceptible to certain um, conditions and diseases 
So I'd say from a health perspective, yes, it becomes important. Um, but for the purposes of a mortgage or getting a loan or buying a car or applying for college or university, why does it matter? Yeah, yes. One of my colleagues is openly gay. He has a beautiful family. And one of the things that we were discussing is that on forms it says mother and father, automatically on forms. And for him and his husband, it could just simply be changed to partner and that would stop all confusion, all lots of discussion and the same on lots of forms around, like I said, with ethnicity. And I take on board about the health aspect. But with so many people that are mixed now mm-hmm. as well, that's a factor in... A lot of people don't know their heritage. And you've got people that present as white, but mm-hmm. they have a, a huge mixture of um, information behind them that you won't get unless you have that discussion with them and you do your investigations like, as you would in any way with anybody else. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I think... Racism is one of those things that we will never alleviate completely um, because we're all racist in some sort of way or prejudiced, prejudiced, I'd say. What was it? I, I, I love, I have a saying that I don't hate anyone, I discriminate against everyone equally <laughs> because I'm like the Grinch that stole Christmas. I'm like, I don't like anyone. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, Asian, other. I don't care. <laughs> don't like you yeah if you're if you're nice to me i'm nice to you um but i have been spat at in the street because of the color of my skin i've had people try and burn my hair burn my clothes um i've been called all sorts of names um i've been beaten up i've had my front door kicked Mm -hmm. in um you name it i've experienced it and actually i'm only 39 so yeah, it's not it's recent history it's not I'm not talking about 30 40 years ago we're talking about mm-hmm. now so it's it's i think as much as people want to hide it and pretend that it doesn't happen anymore it it really does it's just people have got re- much better at hiding their yeah, feelings i completely agree with that i do worry that you've got the national front now that will use this as an excuse and mm-hmm. i think actually the protests have been majority of them have been peaceful and mm-hmm. I, and the media sadly jump on to the two minutes of violence which shouldn't happen but there's always a story behind those those acts of violence and some people just go as always in all um, protests just to cause problems and that doesn't necessarily mean that they come from the black community it's just no. some people just go to cause problems yeah and it could be people from anywhere but I read something online which actually made me laugh and I, I thought it was really good because some someone said what about black on black crime and i thought oh dear lord and then um a guy summarized it quite nicely on twitter he said well think about it if the italian mafia boss gets robbed by another italian isn't that olive on olive crime <laughs> he's like he's not gonna let him steal his steal his money or his drugs just because he's italian and it's the same for black people mm. if, so, if someone does something to you you retaliate and it's the same with white people or asian people the triads fight each other what is that yellow on yellow crime that in itself is a racist statement isn't it so i'm like (laughs) you've got to also factor in that they only they i talk about the media only talk about black on black crime but they never actually specifically say white on white crime Mm -hmm. like people do crime commit crime with their own people in their own heritage group or sex group doesn't discriminate 
around that but why is it always that black on black crime is the pinnacle of discussion when everything else is just crime because it's institutionalized yeah (laughs) Yeah. it goes back to that age-old question of institutionalized racism um and the thing is i think until we get more um awareness if you like and more senior people in a position where they're able to do something there won't be a change no so what next that leads us on to what next what next where do we go now so there's been peaceful protests all up and down the country um it's highlighted the fact that as people we need to do better we need to be better and actually there's there's more to people than the color of their skin you know there's idiots in all Mm. walks of life (laughs) we know there's smart people there's kind people there's funny people in all walks of life they're just people if if you go into the hospital and your heart stops they're all restarted the same Mm. if you're fortunate enough to have it restarted i was watching the um a great program on channel four called the school that tried to get rid of racism i still recommend it to anybody that's listening it's only two episodes um, but they did a DNA test with the children to, for them to figure out how what the difference is between their DNA. And actually, we all share 99.9% of mm-hmm. the same DNA. Um, and it kind of blew the minds of children. I'm sure a lot of adults don't know that either. Yeah. So be kind. Yeah. In a world where you yes. can be anything, be kind. It doesn't matter what colour someone is, where they're from. I think what you should do is treat people how you want to be treated yeah how it's the you, age-old thing isn't it we teach our children treat people how you want to be treated and if you don't know something about someone take the time and get to know it um the person who you think is your biggest enemy could be your biggest ally yeah. and you may have more in common than you think um and you don't need to judge someone based on how they yeah, look definitely. or how they come across i agree anyway this is going to be a really interesting topic and I'm sure you guys are going to have lots of different points of view. Maybe you agree with us, maybe you don't, um, maybe you think racism doesn't exist, maybe you've never experienced it. Um, or on the other end, maybe you know people that have experienced it um, and you have seen it or been a part of it. Um, but remember, it's never too late to educate yourself. And if you've got any comments, just leave us some messages and some voice notes um, and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to A Woman's Word. I'm Danielle lewis Agonyu, And I'm Natasha Lewis. And today's topic of discussion from the box is, it's quite a, a controversial one, so we're not sure how this is going to go today, but it, it's this is the question. Does the system abuse victims of domestic abuse more than the original perpetrator? Mm. Now, I think this is a really good question for today because of what's happening in the media. I don't know if you've been in a little a cave or something, but you may or may not have seen that um, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are currently in England because Johnny Depp is... Um, trying to sue the sun for defamation of character so the sun is a a huge tabloid paper run by rupert murdoch there's a great documentary by the way on rupert murdoch at the moment on bbc iplayer that i suggest you anyone should watch it's really interesting but um johnny depp has put himself in the limelight exposing all of his history and life because he feels that he shouldn't be branded 
a woman beater or abuser of women because actually he was a victim of domestic abuse. So Amber Heard has been called in because he's basically saying that she's a liar and the son have um, jumped on her bandwagon and that's why he got labelled an abuser when in fact he was the one being abused. So going back to the question about does the system abuse victims more than a perpetrator does, that's our topic for today. Oh God, <laughs> I've opened up a whole can of worms. I'm like, I feel that like this is a really difficult topic because I think domestic violence, especially if we're thinking about Johnny Depp, like domestic violence towards men is a real thing and it does happen, but it's not really in the limelight that much. No, it's not, is it? Um, no, and I think it's much harder for a man to come out and say, um, hello this woman's abusing me um, and she's doing things to me that aren't right. So I think fair play to him for stepping out in the limelight and saying, hello, this is not me, this is not who I am, I'm the victim here. And you know, sometimes the thing is, we all know someone who's a bit narcissistic. Um, And they have a really good way of turning the story around and making themselves the victim so do you believe him or are you in a grey area or do you believe her what's your stance on this particular story I'm not sure like I think I think it's really difficult because he's I've seen pictures of him like he looks like he's smacked out on heroin mm-hmm. and dribbling like ice cream all over the floor and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh dear lord. Yeah, what's, what position is he in? What a state. But I think if you're prepared to let the world see you like that, just to prove that you don't hit women and actually you was the one being abused... He really doesn't stand to gain anything no, from it. No, he doesn't, does he? And I, I think I completely agree. I think it takes sometimes to be rock bottom to realise, actually, I've lost everything already. What more do I have to lose to put yourself in a situation? And and with this, situ- with this um, court case, because it's in England and it's public knowledge, this is something that anyone can read all of the transcripts about the press are obviously there all the time there's so many high profile people that are coming and going Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of media attention so I keep going back to why would he put himself in this position when he could just hide away it would have this would have all died away itself no one would have kept bringing it up it would have just disappeared yeah it would have it would have been yesterday's chip paper as they say but actually he's decided that he wants to put everything at the risk of his career at the risk of losing goodness knows what because he wants to be heard and he wants to be believed and that's that seems to be the only thing he would get out of this is that people would believe that he isn't somebody that has abused women that actually he was being abused and what does he stand to gain from this so he he just gets an apology does he get a payout what is it that he gets from this normally it's an apology and there could be a payout but again it's not like millions of pounds payout or anything like that normally it might just be a nominal fee just it depends on the judge just to acknowledge that they've lied. And um, if you do watch the Rupert Murdoch documentary, 
about what the journalists have done in, across all his papers and ha- about his domination and if mm-hmm. you've followed American news and politics about Fox News and actually how much control Rupert Murdoch has to control and destroy people or, or change people's careers and things actually it kind of all ties into the fact that I actually you know I think I do believe that Johnny Depp was a victim because also the system isn't I feel geared to support people who are victims of abuse yeah I don't think so either I think we're not good at supporting victims of domestic violence I think and the worst thing is don't don't the statistics show I think that someone is beaten I think it's 32 times I might be wrong my statistics might be a little bit out of date (laughs) don't quote me on that but I think they say that um, someone's beaten like 32 times before they actually get the courage to leave yeah I can believe that and I think with I know COVID it's been coming up quite a lot as well about topics of people in very challenging circumstances because they haven't been able to leave or then they had to change the guidance didn't they so that people could mm-hmm. go to a refuge but it's as someone that's been involved in in domestic abuse myself as in being a victim of it I've been through that system and seen actually how much trauma that causes to victims when all the adverts and all of the helplines and everybody that advertises kind of rose look at it in a sense of rose tinted glasses not that not the abuse but that you you say that this has happened and it will all be okay well actually that's not necessarily the truth because as we all know with the police system and the school system and NHS and all these other systems there's lots of things that aren't working the criminal system as well I think it's so difficult um like I'd say a lot of people have been affected by domestic violence, mm. either directly or indirectly. Um, and it's really hard to um, find a robust support structure or system in place. It's like people report report the violence or the act and then they feel like they're not believed or they don't feel safe anyway because mm-hmm. because they can't be protected yeah safe houses don't necessarily keep people safe um non-molestation orders definitely don't work, work. yeah <laughs> at all they're not really know. worth the paper that they're printed on the court system isn't geared up to support or, or persecute the perpetrator or support the victim mm-hmm. you've got these charities that do try and kind of start balls rolling but ultimately there's there's no Um, safety net it's just making sure hopefully people have family and friends that can support them through it because that's where ultimately most of it comes from but not from the institutions that advertise that they are there for that purpose Mm. and also I think a lot of people think that no one's going to believe them so they think that if they do say something no one will believe them and I think do you think that's more so the case for men I think that people don't believe victims. Um, I think that men don't come forward as much because of probably, not stigma, pride, I think so, because it shouldn't happen to men, but you've got men in gay relationships. Mm -hmm. Obviously, another man might be hurting them. And then you've got men in heterosexual relationships where the woman might be hurting them. I think there's more awareness around it. There there is more, um, I had a look, there's online support systems for men as well specifically who are victims however again it falls into the same bracket they might come forward but ultimately if they have to decide to lose everything and go or 
and people won't necessarily believe them. Mm. So it's a, a very lonely place. So I can see Johnny Depp's desperation and loneliness. Yeah. And I think it's really tricky because if you're like, so we know that a lot, I'm not saying all, but a lot of perpetrators of domestic violence are narcissistic and they believe their own nonsense. Oh, definitely. Um, and sometimes what they do is they seem to manipulate their victims to such an extent that they don't actually feel like they've got no way out. Mm. So that I think that in itself makes the whole thing a hundred times worse. Um, and I think for someone who's never experienced experienced domestic violence looking and they look from the outside in they're like just leave the person's hit you or they've mm, it looks easy done to something to you just leave why wouldn't you just leave um but it's not always that easy no because it, it covers like coercive control only became illegal i think two years ago now but even that nobody well people rarely i shouldn't say nobody people rarely get prosecuted for any of these abuses because mm -hmm. it comes down to one word over another even if you're covered in bruises cuts yeah. it does it can still be excused away so that's why people don't necessarily bother reporting but if you don't report you don't have a chronology yeah it's a double-edged sword and then you get so i do like the fact that they've identified other types of abuse like financial abuse like yeah. someone withholding money from you or taking your money so i i've seen that a lot um, where people are in control of the finances and they won't give the other person yeah, anything definitely. or they have to ask before they can like buy a loaf of bread and things like that it's all power isn't it yeah it's definitely a power struggle um, but the thing is how do you make it better because if I if I'm sitting listening to this now and I've been beat up for the fourth time this week and I'm sitting there thinking yeah I can contact those agencies but shit there's no way out mm, which is very often the case um, how do you make it better I guess it's for the individual if they feel that they are prepared to lose everything to lose maybe their home their children their financial stability anything and everything then that's where you take that leap into mm -hmm. the unknown not everybody wants that and that's why you have people who either commit suicide or who get murdered by their partner because no one's listened until the point that yeah. they've died or they just stay in that relationship because actually what's the alternative and I don't um, knock anyone who makes those decisions apart from suicide suicide is never the option but I can understand why it'd be hard or take decades to leave because actually the alternative isn't necessarily the the joyful fairy tale ending is mm. hard it's hard and i think sometimes you've got to believe in yourself enough to walk away and know that although it's going to be difficult things will be better mm. but it may take years yeah because <laughs> you have to find yourself again discover what you like enjoy freedom yeah. in your own time in your own space and do your own thing and only clean up after yourself <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I think that there's it's one of those I'm glad it's a topic that has been a constant obviously we're coming out of the major lockdown with mm -hmm. Covid but it's still there's still rumblings of it and the government have pledged all this funding and so on and so forth but as the government often do they just say oh we'll throw money at it but they don't actually realise the strategic focus that needs to be looked at so 
there's programs like the Freedom Program. Why do we wait till someone's a victim for, to be, for them to be referred to the Freedom Program, for example? Mm-hmm. Why isn't that something that's just delivered at secondary school? Or and what is the Freedom Program for so, those listeners who don't know what it is? And I don't know what it is either. So, <laughs> so the Freedom Program <laughs> is a course that victims of domestic abuse normally go to, or someone who might be yeah, in it or have left the abusive situation because, as you said, Tash, uh, a lot of people don't realise they have been abused. It might be, everyone's saying, you yeah. don't realise this isn't normal, but when you're in that fog, you just think, oh, this is how everyone's treated, or this is what I deserve. So the Freedom Programme is um, a group of people, you do it with a, a facilitator, and they basically go through the different forms of abuse, what it might look like, the different scenarios to try and make that light bulb moment come on for you to realise, oh, so all of that was abuse, even when I had to ask permission to go to the shop, that was abuse. And so it kind of helps victims kind of process, start to process what abuse looks like in different ways to help them try and break their cycle. So they don't, because the common thing is to not see those red flags. So if they, you do leave, you might find another partner and think that they're different, but they're exactly, but they're exactly the same. Because <laughs> they come in all different shapes and sizes and yeah. packages. All different colors, all yep. different shapes, all different sizes. Abuse is still abuse, mm. no matter what little package it comes yes, in. Yes, definitely. And so I guess, yeah, I think it should start, and a, a lot of good schools do already talk about consent. And yes, I was just going to say that. I was going to say maybe it would be good to attach it to that discussion. Definitely. Consent. So we, there's a lot going on about no means no. If they don't answer, that still means no. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like the cup of tea scenario where it's like, do you want a cup of tea? No, I'm okay. Well, are you sure you don't want a cup of tea? Like You wouldn't force it down somebody's yeah. throat. Coerce them into a situation <laughs> where they're not comfortable with. Um, and that starts from really small. So in the school I work in, we start from reception. So we ask permission if it's okay to take a 